You are listening to the Blooming Inspired Podcast Network. We exist to empower the voices of women who live their lives blooming alive through podcast community. Now, here is your host. Blooming Inspired Podcast, equipping and empowering the voices of women who live their lives blooming alive. Good morning. This is Michelle Bentham, host of Blooming Inspired Podcast, and I am Continuing to bring you the interview with Karen DeArmond Gardner. She is the up-and-coming author of a new book about cracking the silence on domestic abuse and domestic violence. And I was with Karen actually last week at a training in the DFW area. And I was with her when she got the response from her publisher that her book is going to be coming out early next year early next year so be looking for this book be sure to follow karen at crackthesilence.com and at facebook.com forward slash crack the silence to find out more about how you can connect with her how you can connect with this story also i want to remind you If you find yourself in a situation where um, you need assistance because you are in a domestic abuse or a domestic violence situation, I want to just give you a phone number and a website. It's 1-800-799-7233 or the touch to 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 communicate number for people who are hearing impaired is 1-800-787-3224-3224-1-800-787-3224 and for generally it's 1-800-799-7233 that's the national domestic violence hotline they can get you connected to help they can give you some some tips and some opportunities to how to move forward out of your current situation. So I want to take a moment also um, to say congratulations to Karen. I know this has been a 10-year journey for her writing this book, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful dream that she's had in her heart to help others by telling her story. And so I pray that you would pray for Karen as she continues to walk this out, and I pray that you would, um, that you would buy her book help support what Karen is doing and help support her message in that way. So with that said, we're going to jump right back into where we left off last week, and we are going to continue um, talking through Karen's story this morning and how God brought her to a place of healing and redemption. And then we'll have one more week. Next week will be the last week of our interview together. And so I'm really looking forward um, to concluding the interview process and, and sharing that with you with Karen. And so without further ado, here is the rest of my interview with Karen for this week. And, and I'm sure if I would have said that sooner, it would have moved sooner, but I was never ready to leave, but I was told don't ruin my name. And I knew he was a cop. I mean, that he was, ruined, and it, if he it, just it stayed just, there, he would have destroyed you in that town. He would, if I would have stayed, I mean, no matter what, I, there was no, there, this was a lose-lose situation, no matter what sure. I did. <clears throat> and so, 
And so as I came to Texas and all of a sudden, 30 years, four months and two days of abuse just came spewing out of my mouth. Hmm. And 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 I, I knew and it's it was toxic. Bad. It's it's toxic in you. It's toxic in me. It was toxic out of me. And I knew it was bad, but the looks on my family's face—they were horrified. Told me it was really bad because they they knew things weren't right. They knew he, they didn't like him anymore. They knew he wasn't a good man, but they had no idea like the absolute. Um, um, terror that we all lived through. They had no concept of, of our life. And part of that, and I was like, well, why didn't you, you know, why didn't you tell us, you know, we had this conversation. Why didn't you tell us? And I go, why didn't you ask? But then again, if you would have asked, I probably wouldn't have said anything because shame and pride would have kept me locked into, I can't let anybody know. And, and you said something very important just now, shame and pride, right. because yeah. insecurity, which yeah. that's what that's tied to, mm-hmm. is rooted in pride. It's fear yes. of what people will think of you if they know. Yes. Yes. They go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, they go hand in hand. And, um, and I got it through the years, through the last 15 years um, of healing. I didn't want to tell anybody my story because when I did, it never failed that I got the look from some woman that looked at me as if I was less than dirt under her feet. Like, how, or they ask you, why didn't you leave? Oh yes. Why did you stay? Why yeah. don't ever, if you know, ever ask, why did you stay? The question is not why she stayed. It's, it's acknowledging her bravery for final, for being able to leave. But the question is, why did he abuse? It's not her yeah. problem. It was his. Yeah. Why did he abuse? Go ask him that question instead of asking her why she stayed. That is the most awful question you could ever, ever ask. My response to that question was, where am I going to go? Yeah. Where am I going to go? Because I already have children with him. Mm -hmm. He's a permanent part of my life. Mm -hmm. How am I going to stop this from happening? Yeah. Yeah. Leaving isn't going to change a thing. No, it's just going to change geography, right? The abuse still happens. Mm -hmm. And and it is. And there are other reasons. There's financial reasons. That's right. Uh, There are a boatload of reasons. But again, it's also part of the trauma bond. The trauma bond pulls us back to him. There's a tie that bond. We talk about soul ties, but this trauma bond is so much thicker than a soul tie. Um, it is so thick that it constantly pulls you back to him. And, and we have reasons like we can't make it financially where we can't do this. We don't realize that we're, a, I don't want my kids not to have their dad. Yes. And we're almost addicted to this because they have made us addicted to them. When in reality, they're addicted to us because with part of the kind of the narcissistic type syndrome is that you are their drug of choice. You feed them, you feed them everything that they need. And when that gets taken away, because the most dangerous time for a moment is when they leave, because two things, one of two things happen. His drug 
gets taken away. He goes into, think about someone going through massive withdrawals, rage. drugs, yeah. and then they go in rage. And they but he's not debilitated physically by his withdrawal. Not, no. It's, and so he either goes after and kills her and anybody around her, or he deflates and he moves on to somebody else. Because yeah. that's, there are two, but the one we hear and about. usually, like we talk about how an abused victim, uh, uh, and I don't want to call him uh, an abuse survivor. Mm -hmm. um, how they often will replicate relationships if they don't deal with what happened. If you don't get healed, you have yeah. to start healing. But for them, they also end up with someone that's, I think about like Drew Peterson. Mm -hmm. All of his wives were very similar. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, they just kept getting younger. Yeah. And, and, and so they go to a person who is very similar mm -hmm. in nature to the person that they first were with. Yeah. Yeah. That's something. And, and it is because they are looking They're again, looking for that person who's going to feed what they don't have. Um, and, and Even we get, yeah. and we're so broken that when someone comes and cares about us, we naturally think, oh, they must care about us because we don't even know what a trauma bond is at this point. We have no idea that this dynamics in play. And so they care about us and they're uh, paying attention and affectionate. And, and we don't even know we're getting sucked in again because we don't know the dynamics. Of oh, and, it, and the way they try to get you to come back because, you know, I mean, that was a, a hard conversation. I went to pick something up. And he said, you know, when you left, you took my world away. And I said, well, I left because you shattered mine. Mm. And, but there was this constant play on what he would know my needs were. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so he would, he would manipulate me to get his need met by mm -hmm. playing on what he knew my needs were mm -hmm. and I would give in. That's how I ended up at his house that day that he hit me after we were divorced. Um, and anytime I was running from authority or anything like that, he was who I went to mm. because somehow I still trusted him. Mm. It's yeah. just, you know, it, it and yeah, I don't know what your story is. I, I guess we should hear it. Um, yeah. <laughs> since I've taken over the conversation again, but, oh, but there's so much that resonates with me from your story. And that's yeah. what I want to highlight for our listeners mm -hmm. is any, if, if you're listening to the story and something is resonating for you or you go, Oh, I've been seeing this in someone else's life. Mm -hmm. Um, you yeah. know, they, they say, if you see something, say something. Yeah. But you have to be careful how you say something to her because you will embarrass her and she will deny. Um, and so it is just saying, hey, if you ever need help, don't give him money because if he finds it, that's a whole nother thing. Um, and, but and if you're a man, be very careful. Yes. Send a woman. Uh, you know, no. like if, it, if you're a man and you see something, you go bring your wife into this. Yeah, um, or a sister or mother. Or a sister or somebody. And... Um, and you just, or just call the police if you know it's happening right then. Yes. Just if you call do. the police. Yes. Because yes. better to be safe than sorry in that. It, 
It is, but even then that, that will, it will be really hard on her. She will be the one that will still pay the price for that. Even though I'm not saying you shouldn't call, but understand she will pay a deep, deep price for that if nothing happens. Well, I know when uh, I minister to women that I believe are in abusive relationships, I tell them this needs to go to law enforcement. Mm -hmm. You may not be ready for that, but I just want you to know that I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. And that I will do whatever I can to help you, yeah. even to the point of taking them to a lawyer so a lawyer can explain to them. Yeah. Because right now in the state of Texas where we are, if you stay in a situation where you're being abused and your kids can see it and you've got kids, you can lose your kids for exposing them to the abuse you're suffering. Mm, wow, I did not know that. Yes, wow. because it's emotional abuse for your children. Yeah, but what? yet we don't recognize emotional abuse for the wife. Um, and I say that because exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We, we don't always recognize that, um, in, in the church and, and it's, um, one of the things I want to say is part of being, um, in, in the church is there were so many times, like after something big would happen, he would get right with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so when I left, um, this last time, 15 years he ago, right he, got, he got right with Jesus and I was in Texas and I was at Ron and Jeb's house and our pastor called oh. and had, of course he had no clue because the one time I tried to talk to his wife, she shut me off because I was complaining about my husband. She made it very clear. You don't complain about your husband. Yeah. And, um, and so he called me, uh, didn't ask how I was doing. And he asked me, when, when are you coming home? And I said, oh, oh, I'm never coming back there. Well, but, he, you know, he's walking with Jesus and he needs your support. Yeah, I am never, ever going back there. And, and, and I sound good when I say it now, but I will tell you the rage and the anger and the fear and the horror that it all of a sudden became about him because he's doing the right thing and getting right with Jesus. And you I look like the crazy woman. And I'm wrong one because you're supposed to stand by your man. And I think I did that for long enough and I was done. And so when I said that to him, he had no words. He just said, well, I hope you find somebody. And I just, with every ounce of venom in my voice said, find somebody i don't I'm want not out here to find i'm like are you kidding me because he didn't know what to say because he thought i was gonna drop and run and i'm like no but that was the expectation that as soon as they got right with jesus or made that attempt to look like they were getting right with jesus you were supposed to go back i went back to him the previous year in 2003 because sure. i thought because he got right with jesus i was supposed to go back and there was i will tell you nothing in me wanted to go back to him i did not want to i was so terrified and and there was still manipulation going on even in jesus and and yep. it was hard he was, and he was likely manipulating the pastor and and he was you know and because people loved him he was charismatic and you either really loved him or you just really didn't um and he was you're like just, your mom my mom you just hate him the minute you meet him 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> she is and, radar for people like that. Radar for that. So, but one of the things I would like to say to our audience is that the things we've been talking about have been really, really hard and we are not man bashing, but I'm no. telling you there's a dynamic at play and we may have triggered you. And, yeah, you, and it can be, and abuse can happen in any relationship in your life. In any kind of relationship, whether you're married or not, it can happen with parents. It could happen with siblings. Friends. You can have friends who are bullying and yes. you in a very similar way, maybe yes. not hitting you, but emotionally and mentally manipulating you and taking advantage of you. Yeah. But that it, it's triggering something new because you could feel it right now. You could feel like right now that you're ready to explode and you have no idea what to do. And I'm telling you, you can, we'll have our contact information. You can reach out, but if not reach out to somebody, you know, the okay. hardest thing, the thing that the silence did is it gave it permission to continue and to grow and the abuse to continue to happen. I actually, by me leaving, even though none of what he did was my fault, I saved both of our lives that day because, yeah. because my life got saved and I got this free and the woman you're hearing today, like I was not like this 15 years ago. I was yep. a shattered piece of myself. Karen. I, I <laughs> Seven years ago, when you yes. did my first radio program, yes, you were not the person you are today, no, right? Because you've experienced, you were only halfway into your journey. Into your freedom, yes, into my journey. So let's and talk, so, talk a little bit into the healing process mm. and what that looked like for you, um, because I I understand from our conversations that in after five years you thought you were healed mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. only realized when you know, you know like let's talk about where it started and then when you realized oh i need more help and well, actually brought you the help that you needed um i immediately when i came to texas i got set up with a counselor poor thing um, she was a Christian counselor, regular yes, counselor, a Christian counselor. She was an intern. She was older. She wasn't young. She was older. Um, and, but she was an intern and I don't think she'd ever seen anything like this. And the first thing she did was pray for restoration of her marriage. And I almost ran out of her office and I was going to hit her on the way out. Um, and I didn't, I stopped. And when she got done praying, I go, this is not for restoration of my marriage. And I just said a bunch of stuff, like all this yeah. stuff just came out of me. And, um, and so when I met with her and she told me, make a list of everything you did, don't tell the story, just make a list. And so I made a list and I gave it to her and she looked at it. I think she was horrified because she just handed it back to me and she just started talking about, like what you talk about in counseling and how you become a better person and all of this. And, and it, it part of it helped because I wrote some stuff out, but it really didn't help because she did not know what to do with the trauma victim. And as I started, because the first thing most people tell you to do is you have to forgive. Yeah. And I don't know if she did that, but if she did, I probably shut her down. Yeah, um, I don't know. That, yeah, I was not ready um, at all. And so I bought a bunch of books. I learned what happened to me, but even then I didn't learn everything that happened, but I still was going to church. I was still crying out to God. I took all my pain to him. I took all my pain. God, I didn't know what I was doing, but I would give him little things. I would just let 
him come in and meet me and I'm in my pain and I don't I don't I didn't fully realize what that was because I grew up in very Baptist um, churches where your reward isn't until you get to heaven. That we just endure this life. We struggle and we're going to suffer while in this life. I had no idea that the abundant life was for today, that there was healing for today. I had no idea. And so little by little, as I went to church and I landed in a church that just loved on me, they didn't care that I was getting a divorce. They knew what I was going through, though some of the women totally pulled away because I was too much. My pain was too much for them to handle. And and, so, with, and let's just acknowledge when you're in a situation like where you were, where you've got 30 years of pain you've never talked about, mm-hmm. when you come out of it, it's all you talk about. It's all you talk about. You're very, they, they even have a name for it. It's a, a narcissistic victim or victim narcissist. Because, because you've listened to. Well, because you are so focused on yourself. When you are a victim, it's all about you. All you see is you and your pain. You can't see anybody around you. I didn't notice anybody's pain. I couldn't do anything. I, um, people would, I couldn't share with me because I couldn't hear because I was so wrapped up in my own. And so. Oh, right. It, I mean, like that's absolutely a hundred percent right. Yes. And it, you will lose friends in this period because they can't handle it. It's too much for them. They have their pain of their own, and so they can't. So the Lord gave me a couple people. Plus and you my really family. can't fix it for them either. No, you, they're not fixing it, but it's it can be so overwhelming. So if you've been in this and you've lost some friends, it's just because they couldn't manage it. It, it had nothing to do with you. It was literally, um, it felt like to them, they were getting the life sucked out of them because you're just so hopeless. But and you were also very needy in that time. You're very needy. Oh, I was so needy. I mean, I couldn't even drive. My sister had to take me to go get my urine test for my job because the thought of driving on the freeway that far freaked me out and I couldn't yeah. even manage it. Um, and so my job helped. tells you how much of your power had been taken from you. It had been so much had been taken. Um, I got a job. I came in January of 2005 to Texas and... Um, and then I was working by the end of March. And so that kind of alleviated, but I would still get in the word. I was scripture. I was doing all these little things, um, until eventually after a couple of years at that church, we ended up in a bigger church where, where I met Michelle. And, and again, I got to the point though, by 2008, that I was done talking about it because of people's reaction. And I know I was coming off too strong because I was trying to overcome it in some way. And I, I quit talking about it to anybody. I, unless someone really asked me, I would not talk about it. Um, and so healing was happened just because I was in the word, because I was going to church and, and I had friends, even though they didn't know really what, what I lived through, but, there was healing that was happening and so much so that after five years of being single, I could meet Tom and I didn't run away from him. And what were some of the things in that five year period that you did that you took your, so I heard you say you took your pain to God Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you just continually kept going back. You began to get into the word. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and you began to let him minister to you through his word and through prayer, taking your pain to him yes. Yeah. because you found people weren't able to help you with what you were dealing with in yes. that moment. Except for a couple. Um, one <laughs> of the ladies that was helpful, she was the victim's assistance okay. for the HEB police department. So she was used to working with victims. So she was she understood. such a big, she understood she helped me so much. She would talk to me. We'd talk things through. So that was help because she knew what I was going through. I didn't have to explain anything. So um, that's a good point. If you're going to seek help from a professional, mm -hmm. it needs to be somebody who is, who specializes in helping victims of abuse or victims of trauma bonding. Right. Yes. And the problem is I didn't know about trauma trauma counselors. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I didn't, um, I mean, I had insurance coverage. I could have gone to a counselor, but I didn't know there was, you know, I didn't know I needed to, quite frankly. Um, even though I saw one in the beginning, I didn't know I needed to do that. And so I really became very self-sufficient to the point that I knew the word so well. And because I love the word and I studied the word that I got so much healing because it was very vertical. It was between me and God and, and then, um, which was all good, but it wasn't until 2013 when I went to and joined a group of many in the soul that it then became relational abuse happens in relationship. Healing must happen in relationship. And it wasn't until I met with these strangers and said out loud, things that I had never said to anybody except my family and the pain and working through this workbook that that's when more healing started. And I will tell you, we, we hear the statement that God won't give us more than we can handle, which is not true because it's yeah. not God doing bad stuff to us. It's the enemy and he didn't care what you could handle. You know, his, his goal is to steal, yeah. kill, and destroy. God, but, but I do say that God, God won't, won't allow anything to come into our lives that he can't handle that he can always handle. But when it comes to our healing, we yep. get to decide yep. he will That's never right. take, he will never give us more healing than we can handle at the time. Yep. Imagine yourself being wheeled into an emergency room. Every part of your body has been battered and bruised and lacerated. You're bleeding internally. You've got head trauma. I actually have a practical. Yeah. Because when Justin was in the hospital, until they addressed the head wound, they wouldn't address any of his other wounds. Yes. They, he was bleeding out internally, so they, mm -hmm. they resolved that. But they monitored that head wound mm -hmm. instead of yeah. addressing the broken bones in his back. And, and yes. you know, because the truth was, unless the head wound recovered, mm -hmm. none of the rest of that's going to matter. Yeah. yeah. And the so, first thing they do is they stabilize you. Yep. And, and then they fix, like in Justin's case, they needed to take care of the head trauma because nothing else mattered. If that went south, it didn't matter whether they fixed the body. So they, it's the same with our healing. When we start with that healing process, God works on the part that we need to just keep us alive, to be able to function day in and day out. Right. And as we get stronger, he goes back and he does some more and he heals Deeper. this over here That's and right. this over there. And then you, then he comes back to something like, I've done this before. Why am I doing this again? Because it's deeper. Because he can. Yes, he can go deeper. Why? Because you're stronger. Mm -hmm. And so this is what he's been doing in cycles with me for the last 15 years. And, and, and 
we had something happen in April of last year that threw me into a, 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 a tailspin and I went into grieving and I thought I was over it. And then all of a sudden it's still happening all throughout 20, the rest of 2019. And the Lord showed me, he goes, you're not grieving what happened over here. You're grieving what you never grieved. You never grieved your childhood. You never grieved your previous marriage. You never grieved any of all those missed expectations, all, all those dreams, all yep. those, everything, what happened with your kids and everything. And this is what you're grieving. And so it was like a roller coaster of emotions of grief rolling over me. And poor Tom never knew what he was coming back to or who he would wake up to because I was just in this roller coaster and I just let it happen. I didn't try to stop any of it. I have stopped my healing in the past going, I'm just fine. But isn't it like that though? We think we're fine mm -hmm. until something hits us that we mm -hmm. didn't expect. Mm -hmm. For me, it was the death of my son. I controlled God's access to the places in me that needed healing <laughs> until my son died. Right. Then I was in so much pain. I did not care what it took to get healed. Yeah. Yes. I would go to God for all of it because mm -hmm. I wanted to deal with this because I didn't like the way it felt anymore. Mm -hmm. Does that make yeah, sense? I was does. no longer trying to manage my dysfunction mm -hmm. and only take the things to God. I felt like I could handle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and I went through and I, so I've done, I've been through inner healing. I've had Sozo's I've done Sozo's you've done uh, restoring, restoring the foundations, which hit on restoring the foundations was a, a week intensive. And that was where the first time I looked at, you know, they go, what memory Lord do you want to look at? And he took me back to the memories of when we were dating and I did not want to go there. I had never looked at them. I avoided them. And I, the last thing I want to do was that. Thank you for tuning in with us again today. I am so very grateful that you have um, chosen to listen to the Blooming Inspired Podcast. I will be concluding the reading in Luke chapter 11 for our Gospels verse by verse Bible study this Saturday at 10 a.m. I'll be back at home and um, sharing from my kitchen table, so I can't wait to get back with you on that. I've also got something exciting that's in the works for my page facebook.com forward slash Michelle Bentham creates. I'll be talking about that a little bit next week as I wrap up my um, interview with Karen. And so be sure to tune in next week, hear about the interview from Karen and the new thing that I'm going to be doing um, in the month of March and part of April. It's a way that, well, you can partner with me in writing a book. Is that not an exciting idea? So and plus, you get a preview in the form of Facebook Live videos of what I'm going to be talking about in the book. So I can't wait to bring that to you beginning uh, next week in March. I believe I'm going to do this um, daily beginning uh, Monday and I'll be talking about it on the podcast on Tuesday. So you don't want to miss it. Check out facebook.com forward slash Michelle Bentham Creates. 
I'll be sharing more about this there on Friday in a Facebook Live, so I would love to have you tune in with us. Um, I just wrapped up speaking at a conference called the Real Women Conference in Edna, Texas. Next year, they're moving to a new, bigger venue, so be looking for an opportunity to attend the Real Women Conference next year. I'm going to be there, and I hope you will be too. And I think that's all that I have for you today. Um, I'm so encouraged and so inspired, and I want you to remember that at Blooming Inspired Network, we're about equipping and empowering women to walk in the role and reign in God's kingdom. And I've got some things happening, so please be praying for us. I am going to be meeting with some people. We're going to be starting to walk towards 501c3 pursuit and nonprofit status as a religious organization. So your prayers and your covering for favor and for uh, for completion of that in this year would be amazing. And I would just covet your prayers um, for God to show me what he wants to do with us for you in the next year. So with that said, I want to say, um, that blooming where you're planted is the first step to living your wildest dreams. So live your lives blooming alive. You have been listening to the Blooming Inspired Podcast on the Blooming Inspired Podcast Network. This show airs on Tuesdays each week, bringing you inspiring guests and thought-provoking conversations about what it means to live your life blooming alive. For more information about this podcast or its network, please visit bloominginspirednetwork.com and click the podcast link at the top of the page.